Bluegrass Jamalong is proud to be sponsored by Collings Guitars and Mandolins. If you're attending the NAMM show in January, stop by the Collings booth to say hello to the team, get hands-on with their selection of customised acoustics and electrics, and check out some exciting new prototypes they're working on for 2024. They'll also have a few of their world-class artists on hand demoing various instruments. And if you can't attend, don't forget to follow their Instagram and Facebook accounts throughout the show for photos, videos, and the latest news. Collings guitars are hand-built from the sound up in Austin, Texas. This episode is also brought to you by Peghead Nation, the home of Roots Music Instruction. If one of your 2024 resolutions is to improve as a musician, Peghead Nation is the place to go. They have 65 streaming video courses for guitar, mandolin, banjo, fiddle, dobro, bass and ukulele from some of the leading names in acoustic music. Courses cover bluegrass, old time, Irish music and swing, plus lessons dedicated to improvisation, theory and ear training. Your first course is just $20 a month and you can add more for $10. Try any course free for a month with the promo code JAMALONG. Make 2024 a year of more music at pegheadnation.com. Hi, this is Justin Moses, and you're listening to the Bluegrass Jam Along, the podcast for anyone and everyone who plays bluegrass. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Bluegrass Jam Along. Um, podcast is getting a bit full of interviews at the moment, and that's because I'm taking advantage of the fact that when I'm asking people to come on the show, they are saying yes. Um, I've got another great guest for you this week, and we'll get back to some tunes again as soon as possible. But when the kind of people that I'm asking to come on this podcast say yes, you don't hang around, you get them on. Um, and I've got a great, great guest for you today, uh, Justin Moses. Justin is... I mean, he's a multi-instrumentalist. He he plays not only many instruments, but he plays many instruments at a really high level. Um, and you'll hear about that in the interview. But just to give you an example, he's played fiddle in Dan Tominsky's band. He's played banjo with Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder. Regularly plays guitar, mandolin, an octave mandolin with um, Sierra Hull, who he also happens to be married to. Um, he's a record producer and he has also been voted IBMA's Resophonic Guitar Player of the Year, otherwise known to me and you as Dobro, um, for three years. Um, so there's a, a huge range of of stuff going on with Justin, and it's just fascinating to chat about that, how he sort of arrived at that point, um, how he's inspired, who he's inspired by, what that means, um, and what his plans are for the future. He's just a great guest, somebody who's just brilliant to chat to, very humble, very... Um, open very entertaining and yeah really enjoyed it really enjoyed it so i hope you do too um here's my interview with justin moses so justin moses welcome to bluegrass Jamalong. hey nice to nice to be here um i think one of the the reasons i was particularly keen to talk to you it's not it's not uncommon at all for bluegrass musicians to play several instruments and to be pretty good at several instruments in fact it's pretty common that most people play at least a couple of things but I think it's my perception, anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's quite unusual for somebody to play all the instruments to the sort of level you do where you could happily sit in a high-level band on pretty much any of them. That seems quite uncommon to me. Yeah, it's, it, it does seem like that. Um, I know I know a lot of, like you said, I know a lot of uh, bluegrass instrumentalists that play several of the instruments and play them really well. But, uh, yeah, I just I got interested in, in all the bluegrass instruments and and never gave any of them up so i've kind of stuck with trying to play all of them 
And I think that makes it a really interesting conversation because I know, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are learning instruments and have a constant sort of question about how the best way to do that is. And it can be, it can be a bit of a, um, a struggle to work out whether you should focus on one instrument or, you know, divide your time between them. And we can chat about that in time as well. But I think it'd be interesting just to start yeah. off with kind of how you got into this, because I believe that mandolin was your first instrument sort of around the age of six. That's that's right. Mandolin was the first, and um, I just I saw a group playing on TV, and my dad played guitar, so I had you know that as a background, and um, yeah, there was a, a group on television, and uh, they had a mandolin in the band, and and for whatever reason, maybe it was the the size of it or or whatever, I thought that might be a cool thing to try to learn, and my parents got me one for Christmas, and we. Uh, um, you know, dad knew enough about it to show me the first few chords and stuff like that. And I kind of just took it from there. Yeah. And it sounds like, I know you, I know you've said previously that you, you had lessons for sort of six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. That's true. Yeah. There's a guy in, uh, uh in the town we grew up in that uh, my dad knew of that, uh, he knew, he knew a lot more, you know, fiddle tunes and bluegrass tunes and stuff like that than, than he did. So I did have about six or eight weeks of, uh, you know, kind of concentrated study with him. So. It sounds like um, even from that, you were taking your cassette recorder along and he was playing tunes that you'd take away and then learn, sort of come back the next week. It sounds like there's a, a sort of theme emerges, and we'll probably come to this over the course of the, the chat, but that you're the kind of musician who picks things up by ear and from other people and from seeing people do things and just sort of surrounding yourself with different instruments, different music and and sort of absorbing it all, I guess. That's definitely true. Yeah. Um, he... Um... Well, you know, the recording on cassette thing, yeah, it in integrates perfectly with uh, the rest. <laughs> After that, what I ended up doing, which was, you know, sitting down a lot of times for a lot of hours with, you know, um, well, it was cassettes at the time, you know, and I would be listening to those and and hitting that rewind, hitting that rewind and listening again and trying to figure out, you know, these little licks, you know, or little parts of a tune that, that you know, became a whole tune or, you know, gave me more vocabulary to pull from. Yeah. And then, um, and then guitar came next, I guess, from watching your dad play and just sort of seeing the shapes his hands were making on the neck and thinking, Oh, I wonder, you know, I guess I wonder how, how I could do that. There was definitely that. And, uh, and also, um, my dad was, uh, probably to a lot of the you know, people around that area, he was one of the better, you know, guitar players that people knew of. So people from time to time would ask him for lessons. And so I got to actually witness him also teaching some other people, um, basic, really basic stuff, you know, but, um, exactly what you need to learn, you know, as a beginner. So uh, there was also that, and I think that was a, a big thing in me learning. I, I remember one episode in particular where I was watching, a guy kind of struggled to do something and I thought, oh, I could do that. And so, um, it just kind of made me want to try. Definitely. Um, yeah. you know, there are there's definitely players around who had that influence from family as kids, you know, Billy strings obviously played with his dad and I talked to yeah. Tristan Scroggins recently and he was the same and just having, having music around the house and having access to it sounds like a, an incredible thing. Just having people yeah, to play. Yeah, it, it, it's a big deal. Yeah, like especially like if it's your, um, you know, parent or guardian or, you know, um, 
someone that close with you. And, um, of course, my mom played, too. She played mostly, like, piano at first. And then when we got into bluegrass, she switched over to, like, playing acoustic bass. But, uh, and so there was a lot of music around, you know, I I wouldn't say that we had this like, you know, big diverse musical experience all the time. I mean, there was different things, but just, just having it around, having somebody play right in front of you Mm. a lot, you know, I think that makes a a big difference. And somebody to play with. I mean, you know, if you're six, seven, eight, your chances of finding other people who want to play the same stuff as you and, you know, places you can go and jam, it's pretty limited. (laughs) It is, yeah. No, it's it's tough. I know on on a lot of kids that don't don't have that. Yeah, and um, and so it also sounds like you had a bit of opportunity just in terms of the n- number of instruments that came through the house. I know you've sort of said your dad's just keen on trading, sort of whatever. You know, it's always working his way through things and trading one thing for another. Yeah. And so quite a few instruments pass through the house too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's the funny thing, you know, and and um. That's what makes it hard in a way for me to say exactly the order that I learned the instruments in because, you know, first of all, my memory's not as great, obviously, for like, you know, the younger you get, you know, in your life, the less you sort of remember about it. But um, I know that that was the case that like, you know, that we we may have always had a fiddle at some point, you know, like we may have always sort of had a fiddle around, but, uh, maybe not. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure, but I know that, you know, as new things were brought in, like, a uh, uh, you know, banjo, for instance, you know, I would be curious about it and, and, and want to try to learn it. Um, I, I didn't necessarily, uh, immediately mess with each one but if it's there over time it's like you know it's just like another thing it's like you know you're just curious about you want to see what it's all about really yeah and that word curious sounds like it um sort of sums you up as a as a musician it sounds like that's (laughs) kind of central to who you are because you don't i think you know it's easy to move between instruments and get move on from things but it sounds like you've picked new things up without moving on from the the ones you applied already and that just that speaks of curiosity and volumes Oh, that is uh, 100% the case. I never lost interest in uh, the mandolin, you know, you know, since it was the very first instrument that I ever wanted to learn. You know, I really got into each of them, you know, from time to time. Like, there was definitely a period when I was uh, probably 12 or 13 where I really got into the banjo, and that's when we really kind of discovered bluegrass, you know. I mean, I sort of knew what it was before, and you know, heard a few things, but you know, you, <laughs> you hear something that really strikes you. And, uh, and so around that time we really got into bluegrass and, and so I got interested in the banjo and, and, um, I know I spent a lot of hours, you know, just playing the banjo, just focusing on that and trying to get that role, you know, trying to figure out, um, how to make it all work. And, uh, but I never lost interest in, in the mandolin or guitar you know, at the time, I think those are probably the ones that were the most present in my life. You know, I probably still, uh, you know, uh, I'm probably maybe thought of myself at that time as a mandolin player. You know, if you had to, if you had asked me, if, you know, at the time I might say that. But uh, I was definitely developing, you know, these uh, interests and curiosities all all through that time period. Yeah, and it's... um. 
I think it's a, it's a really interesting one because mu- music is fundamentally music. And if you've learned one instrument yeah. or, or two, then each subsequent instrument, you're not learning what music is. You're just learning different methods of tone production and where to find the notes. And so yes. I mean, I started off as a drummer. And um, yeah. so I've got an internal sense of rhythm that it makes me a better guitar player or a better mandolin player. Um, Absolutely. And it's just, it's sort of, they all tie in, don't they? But it's, you have a new, totally new sort of, vocabulary to learn on each instrument and a new sort of way of getting the sound out because a fiddle is the same as a mandolin but the tone production is entirely different and yes. a dobro in terms of the thumb pick and finger picks is the same as a banjo and yet they're not the same and so there's, right. there's that big venn diagram where music sits in the middle and then all the other instruments sort of inform stuff around the edges absolutely um i think that's you know i started with mandolin and then guitar and uh Banjo probably being the next one that I took more seriously, I guess, you know, and so it was all, you know, fretted instruments, really, that I that I learned sort of in that order, I guess you could say, and uh, so, yeah, they all have these things in common, you know, I, I made the connection with the banjo immediately that the <laughs> the D, G, and B string on the guitar was exactly like the you know D B a G and B string on the banjo and just the uh the bottom uh D was uh you know a step lower so you know I was just making those connections and then trying to to figure out the uh well actually yeah so the the left hand never seemed very complicated to me on that just because it was so similar already I thought you know in my mind and so um yeah there's in with the mainland and guitar originally it's not that uh, the notes are laid out exactly the same or anything but um you know if you learn a, a melody and and really know what the <laughs> what it's supposed to sound like you know finding those notes on the other instrument it just becomes easier if you've done it i think on on something else you know yeah, and you may you may find just due to the nature of an instrument, there's a slight you play a slightly different version of I don't know Soldier's Joy on the fiddle than you would do on the guitar because of the way it lies on the instrument and different things pop out. But the tune, if you know if you know the tune, then you you get to go and find it and you, it's in there. Yeah, you're not that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so with with fiddle, did that? I guess there's a with fiddle and over actually. There's there's that sort of intonation thing to deal with as well. I mean, I spent some time playing pedal steel, and then in, in the end, mm-hmm. I stopped because I realised my ears just aren't good enough. I'm like, I can do all sorts, but my sense of pitch and intonation just wasn't quite strong enough for all the other bits you've got to do at the same time you know yeah yeah for some reason you know when i started playing dobro that seemed um easier to me than than fiddle and i can't explain why it is but the fiddle you know is definitely the hardest one for me and, and it was the hardest one to try to learn because um of what you're talking about but I think for me it was more just you know I, I think I've it takes me a lot longer and still I say takes because it's a to me it's an ongoing present yeah, thing yeah. that I'm always trying to improve on uh, you know intonation and that sort of thing and um, to me it almost seems more like a physical thing of just the practice of being on the note you know or double stops especially like if i'm trying to do two notes at once and and uh, and the further up the neck you get you know the more uh the harder it is just because you're you know you start out playing 
on the the lower notes, you know, and and so you've done that more times, obviously. So um, that uh, that was a big thing. The dobro, um, I relate more to a fretted instrument because it actually has the frets, yeah, yeah. you know. You just you just have to align with them, you know, and and so. Um, yeah, I, I, I do find that as a challenge. And then, but then you have the bowing, too, which is, you know, you have those two elements that make it um, that much different from the fretted instruments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like with the dobro, you know, you sort of talk about the kind of, I don't know, light bulb moment, or just a, you can relate your banjo playing to a specific moment where you saw Alison Krauss and Union Station. And it sounds like there was a similar one with the dobro as well, seeing Rob Ike's play. Yeah, so I was playing in this band called Blue Moon Rising, and uh, I mean, I was the original member of the band. I played banjo in it, uh, and on our first record, I played some dobro and fiddle, you know, sort of just went back and overdubbed some stuff. But the second record we made, we decided uh, we decided to hire Rob Bikes to play some dobro on it, and uh, when he came to the studio, uh, it was just me and, and the bass player that, that went to the session, but... Um, even just watching him sit there and warm up, he was just warming up and playing scales. It was inspiring to me because, like, you know, I've, I'd i heard a lot of good dobro uh, over time, you know, playing tunes and that sort of thing. But um, even just the way that he approached getting from note to note, it just sounded different. And he, he seemed, you know, adept, so adept at um, just his uh, left-hand movement. So... It, it made me want to sit down with it and see if I couldn't get better at that. And uh, so I, yeah, he caused me to <laughs> spend uh, spend a little more time with the instrument and, and think about it a lot more. Yeah, yeah, it was a very inspiring moment. And I mean, I, I'd been a fan of his before that, and uh, uh, still am to this day. Uh, you know, I love his playing, uh, and of course, um, you know, Jerry Douglas being a, another huge uh influence um you know i've always just loved the <clears throat> emotion that, that he can play with and uh and and insert into uh any instrument uh, whether it's whether he's playing a tune or you know back in a vocal especially you know uh, but both of those guys are like huge inspirations to me on on that instrument yeah jerry douglas has a sort of a thing of just complimenting phrases that a vocalist sings yeah he has that ability to just sit in between without getting in the way and totally make things just lift things to another level doesn't it it's incredible to watch and then you can see him play a fiddle tune at breakneck speed and he can do all that as well but he, you know he's <laughs> right. got everything yeah yeah i've really uh you know tried to it, it's it's a hard thing because you know how do you extract you know you can extract the notes that somebody's playing pretty pretty easily you know the, the more you learn and train your ear you know to hear what's going on you can you can hear what notes but uh you know you can't replicate somebody's emotion that they're putting into it nearly as well but i've spent a lot of time just trying to uh to understand that you know and try to um to pick out the qualities that in, in, you know insert that uh dynamic just emotional content you know it's hard to again quantify you can't really do it but <laughs> but it's the one of the most interesting things about somebody like him or Stuart Duncan on on fiddle it's uh uh I don't know that's a it's a big deal to me it's it's one of the things that I I want to play with 
with that, you know, rather than just being somebody that can play notes, I definitely want to be the kind of musician that can insert uh, a feeling into whatever it is I'm trying to, to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that's totally, totally makes sense. I mean, commu- you know, music is it's a language and it's a form of communication. So you want to communicate something to the people that are listening, you know, and you can yeah. communicate a lot. Like with language, you can communicate something really deep and meaningful in simple terms if you if it's heartfelt and you mean it. Or you can use all the clever Absolutely. words and all the notes and it doesn't move you at all, you know, and the best people can do both. Oh, yeah, yeah most definitely. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point about um, sort of doing a deep dive on other people's styles because, like, on one level, it's pointless because you can never do it because you're never going to be them. But at the same time, it can inform what you do a huge amount, and the choices you make are just. Are you as an individual musician? You are a collection of your influences and your personality, and so like, why not lean into those influences and pick out the bits that you like? Do a bit of shoplifting. I, <laughs> I have always that's always been my approach. Basically, you know, I uh, the good thing is that you know most people, uh, you know. Well, I shouldn't speak for most people, but but I'll speak for myself. Like I, I'm a fan of so many different musicians that I do think if you try to take, you know, ideas and pieces and this and that from all these different people, that it's going to eventually come out, mm. you know, as your own, th- you know, thing. There's there's uh, there's no way. It's like you said. I, you know, I've listened to uh, great banjo players like Ron Block a lot and. Uh, um, there's, uh, you know, all the the banjo players that played in uh, Doyle Lawson's band, like uh, Jim Mills, Terry Bauckham, uh, some of these guys that I listen to those records a lot. And, and the things they played really, you know, sunk into my head. But I can't sound like them. I can't really replicate their sound. And, and I don't want to anymore. It's like I probably did when I was younger. Mm. I probably, you know, tried harder to just sound like them because i liked what they did so so much but but you know it's a good thing that over time if you um really allow yourself to you know explore all these different things that you like you know eventually something's going to come out that doesn't sound like just one person it's going to sound like a a combination of a lot of different things yeah and i think that's true of like it's just a a life thing isn't it is you with it opinions, is, yeah. you start out, you pick other people's opinions that you like and you read things and you think, oh, that's cool, I'm going to have that. And eventually you start to put bits together and come up with your own ideas and, you know, you get more experience and you start just having opinions. And sometimes you, it's a bit like <laughs> improvising music. You say stuff to see how it sounds and you think, yeah, no, no, no I, do, I do believe that, that's good. And, you know, with music, you just try <laughs> things and you keep the bits that fit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so do you find... Um, so I guess the, the interesting point with that is you played banjo with uh, Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder. Did, did, did you yeah. find yourself um, kind of slipping in licks or lines from people who'd sort of played in that spot before? Do you find that there's just certain things that were on the recording that just feel like part of that version of the tune? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I probably going into the gig i mean i knew you know a lot of his material already from just being a fan of of that music but i probably sat down with it and uh and maybe maybe even learned you know i definitely learned certain things um you know verbatim and 
and yeah, there's it, it's it's not only true there, like we're talking about in a lot of other cases. It, it's a, a universal idea that there's certain things with uh, almost any artist, you know, besides maybe the most just you know imp- improvisational uh, acts, but everybody else, <laughs> you know, in music. Pretty much, you know, there's signature things that people, you know, you just, you need to hear that to, to know that's the tune or that's mm. the uh, the version even. You know, you want people to recognize um, just, you know, certain aspects. And then, so, like, Ricky never was one to, uh, you know, be real adamant that a solo has to be a certain way or anything. But then there was after I I went and, uh, and, uh, I I played a gig with him before anything else. And then we did a rehearsal, but, uh, at the rehearsal, there was probably one or two of the tunes that at the end of the rehearsal, he said, maybe go back and listen to this one and that one again. And, you know, and, and, uh, and get it. And I think to him, it's more about, um, just learning what it takes to do that particular thing, you know, it's like, <laughs> there's, there's something to be said for that, really, like, you know, of just acquiring the skill it takes to do whatever somebody else did in, in that moment, you know, um, and so, you know, it, it, it obviously depends on who you're working with, but um, usually there's some signature things that it's it could be you know up to the person you know the, the listener i suppose to 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 think whether a certain part is uh uh crucial to the song or not but mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's certain things that if you're a musician who you know pays a lot of attention and <laughs> tries to pick those things out that you can recognize yeah i mean for me there's definitely uh like a track of ricky's like the recording of how mountain girls can love that's on it's on ancient tones i think it's on ancient tones but it's on one of those albums and the, some of the banjo feels yeah. on that just like i, I expect to oh expect yeah to hear them you know <laughs> exactly yeah that's a good example and the and even the intro to that um i think i when i showed up i don't believe i kicked it off exactly like the record was. I, I i had the notes actually but i didn't have the uh the pick uh there's an up he moves his uh index finger from the third string to the fourth string and use the index finger on the fourth string which is something that you know in regular like uh scruggs rolling you don't do that mm. much but uh it's how uh ralph kicked it off and and uh and jim had done that on the on the record and i think ricky pointed that out to me too and and then again it's another one of those moments like oh yeah okay i hear the difference you know yeah yeah and it's funny listening to you know people learning particularly iconic things like people trying to do tony rice's take on church street blues and like tony's mm-hmm. the, the sort of theory these days is that everything's alternate picking pretty much and but there's definitely yeah. cross picking times where that's not true and there's double down strokes and and tony's just had his own thing and like trying to replicate yeah. that is a whole can of worms you know and even if you do you're never going to yeah. sound like that but it's fascinating to try just to see what he's doing it is it is that's it's an interesting thing overall because i've uh i've given quite a bit of lessons over the years i i, I used to actually give a lot of uh one-on-one lessons and i always try to 
I always tried to start out with the idea of doing the alternate picking strokes a lot. And, uh, but it's a funny thing because I didn't think about that when I was learning that much. I was just learning to play. And so I try not to be too, <laughs> too particular about it at first because, you know, you want to let somebody find their way and, uh, um, and maybe, you know, maybe they can make something work in a way that you're not thinking it would work. And so mm. it's it's very interesting because, yeah, different people can get things done in different ways and, and it can end up sounding a little bit different, which is a good thing. Uh, but I think as an instructor, <laughs> your instinct is to be like, well, let's uh, let's try to learn to do it the way that, you know, is uh, is just conducive to being able to play. Um, you know, fast and and being able to do the things you need to do, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's hard to replicate. Um, you know, that's one thing that like with Tony's playing. I mean, I'm huge, huge fan, and I've definitely sit down and tried to learn a lot of his stuff. But I never really worried about the pick direction. Mm-hmm. I always just wanted to learn, you know, the notes and the and again the not just the uh, the notes, the tonal quality of the notes and the and the um again it's the emotional content that he's able to to get you know just by the uh the attack you know it's it's hard to to pinpoint exactly what it is but i've always been interested in trying to 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 get at that whatever that mm. is yeah, you yeah. know <laughs> totally and it's yeah. and some of the most sort of iconic musicians and some of the most sort of emulated musicians are people that if you look at what they do it's not all conventional by any means i yeah. mean and the obvious right. example just for physical reasons is django reinhardt but but tony's yeah. the same like sam bush if you just look at the way sam bush holds a mandolin nobody's ever going to teach you to hold a mandolin like that and yeah he sounds pretty <laughs> good true. right oh yeah oh yeah and um yeah and the, the, well, he, and there's people like him, and and I was there's somebody else that I think Sierra and I were watching the other day that uh, is a great musician, but goes against you know what is either one of us would teach somebody to do, which is lifting their fingers you know off of the fretboard pretty far, you know that's one of the things that you know both of us you know I you know kind of if we're teaching somebody try to. Uh, stress is you know keep your fingers close to the fretboard as you're playing because it's easier to get to the next thing mm. uh, but then like I said there's people you can watch that uh, just, they're way off the fretboard but they can get it done I mean, you know? look at it's yeah like Ronnie McCory there's a lot of finger movement goes on there yeah. you know but Definitely. like anybody would take sounding like that <laughs> <laughs> he gets his way around yeah. and he produces some great tone and you know absolutely so I guess um it's a curious just looping back to that bit about um, lines that feel like part of a piece. I was, I'm just curious to to chat a bit about um, your part on the new Baylor Fleck project and touring with that because that's, sure. that's a really fascinating yeah. project because the people who are playing, the, the, there can't be anybody in that band who played all those parts on the record. So everybody's playing something that somebody else played on the record at some point, apart from Baylor. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> And so sort of knowing how you approach that, because I presume sort of the main bulk of the tunes was composed and written, and then there's space for breaks and stuff, but it's there's there's some fairly definite parts there as well. And just how you sort of approach that. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> this is a, it's a funny thing because I, I did the, the tour, and we're going to be doing, I think, you know, a few more dates next year, and uh, we have the show uh, in... In January, 
if I'm not off on our timing of when this may come out. But in January of uh, uh, that'll be both bands. It'll be uh, the uh, the band with Sierra and I and Mike Cleveland, and then uh, Sam and Jerry, and uh, I think Chris Thiele and Billy Strings. A, few, a lot of the people from the album are going to be on those dates. But um, no, I. It's funny, uh, you know, listen to the record at first. It, it was kind of intimidating, yeah, because there's, there's a lot going on. And so, uh, you know, being able to, to pick it apart, it it, uh, it took uh, a lot of focus on just the part. Look, I'm the kind of person that most of the time when I listen to a song or a tune, instrumental tune, I, I, I try to listen and hear everything. I mean, I'm listening to every instrument I'm trying to, to figure out what every instrument's doing, but um, there's definitely cases on this where, I mean, I've listened to it in that way, in a in a listening way rather than a analyzing way. But um, I definitely tuned a lot of stuff out and tried to focus on what you know my part had to be. You know, it was it was that, but also fortunately, Bela uh, had Sierra and I over, and he's he's somebody who loves to rehearse he 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 loves to work things out and uh and so we we went over to his house and he sort of showed us several of these tunes really in their most basic form and uh and when you hear a tune uh deconstructed like that it really you know helps take some of that edge off of just listening to it and thinking oh how am i going to remember what to do here you know because a lot of them do relate to just like a, a standard fiddle tune or, uh, you know, something that you, that I, that I'm already have played, you know, plenty of times, but, um, he's so good at arranging and so good at, at putting things together that, uh, it comes off so, so great, you know, and like such a, and I think they are brilliant, you know, uh, pieces of music. Um, but he, uh, he really, you know, was uh kind and help helpful about uh showing us what the parts were and also he he did something another thing that was very helpful and he made us uh some recordings you know uh or some you know sent us mixes of several of the songs without our instrument on and so we were able to uh um you know play along with those and and play the part but um it's funny you know I had a, a difficult job in that I played uh, four different instruments on the show, but at the same time, I felt like I had an easier job than some of the some of the others, just because um, the parts that I had to do were um, I don't know. I mean, like the dobro parts in general for the songs that I played dobro on, um, the parts that were definite parts that needed to be played didn't seem you know all that difficult it's just a a matter of uh you know remembering what they are memorization you know and so um small pieces of memorization you know are definitely for me like not as difficult as like you know trying to take a a crazy solo on (laughs) a song so anyway um you know there definitely was plenty of room and and again same way with him as what i was talking about with with ricky before like he he never you know, he doesn't want anybody to come in and, and play the solo, you know, verbatim as what it was on the on the record. He wants you to, to play what you would play. 
But there's definitely a lot of parts that need to be the parts, yeah. <laughs> in other words. And I guess with yeah. some of the some of the fiddle bits and stuff, there was kind of twin fiddle parts, so it's tied quite closely to another existing part anyway. So it's quite structural, I guess. Yeah. Rather than sort of, you know, it is. go on a, a wild solo, it's you're playing a second part to something that is already there. Yeah, definitely. So that was just, uh, again, uh, you know, I used the, uh, um, well, I've, I've never owned it, but Sierra has like the amazing slowdowner or some sort mm. of, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly which piece of, <laughs> which app we were using, but uh, she has some of that and on this computer that I'm recording this on. So <laughs> I uh, had some of them in here uh, using that for a while and, uh, and different things. I mean, uh, I used any and every method in the world to, <laughs> to, to uh, you know, extract what I needed to from <laughs> from these tunes. And that's it's really nice to hear that in a way because that's an app that I use and lots of people listening to this will use. And just sort of yeah. hearing you say as well about, you know, playing fiddle earlier and the intonation thing is a continuous improvement thing and just this idea that any of us could listen to you play any one of the instruments you play and go, wow. But at the same time, the idea that it is still a journey and there's still things that you're working on and there's still places to go i think that's such a powerful thing and it's it's easy just to presume some people have arrived oh <laughs> yeah i don't know if i'll ever feel that way i i think that i'll always want to uh to get better and and uh you know if you keep that you know i guess attitude about it hopefully it, it allows you to i mean if you think you've arrived and, and you're not going to get any better than you are you're probably not you know you're probably mm. not going to, to do it because you're not uh, open to that, and um, sometimes I think just the strength of uh, well, obviously the the most obvious thing is is just you know practice. You know, it's like people um, you know talk around that a lot and uh, and whatever, but like just even the uh, the practice I had to put in to uh, to learn the tunes and and be ready to play these these songs for. Um, or the Bela tour, I think, I mean, I honestly think that it's, it's made me a, a better player. Just, I mean, it's so incrementally that, uh, I, I don't know that anybody else would notice it that much, but I know that there are certain things in there that, you know, I was able to, uh, improve on in that amount of time. And, uh, I think that's been the, the way it's been through my whole career. You know, I know that even, 15, 20 years ago, I had a certain ability, you know, to play, and I've always felt like I had a certain ability to play, uh, but I've never thought, oh, this is great, like, this is, <laughs> this is where I want to be, it's always, you know, I've always wanted to get better, and I still, to this day, have that, and, uh, I mean, I'm not somebody that, I mean, I can't claim that I that I work harder than everybody else because that, it seems absurd to me. I, 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 you know, I, I probably don't work as hard as some people, but I, I definitely uh, am aware, and I try to put time in, and I try to, you know, um, really my my practice stuff is based a lot on uh, what gigs I have and what what are coming up and that sort of thing. But it always seems to work out to where you know <laughs> there's this weird even distribution of uh my concentration on on each instrument you know just out of uh different people wanting me to do these different things um 
it, it requires, in other words, it requires me to put the time in, mm. you know, to be able to, to just do what I have to do to, to play the gigs that I end up in. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just suffer, if I'm completely honest, part of the reason I started a podcast of backing tracks was just to give myself some deadlines. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I can sit at home learning stuff, but I could probably six months down the line be able to play whiskey before breakfast a little bit better because i just sit there playing that whereas if i've got to record something every week i'm like well i can't embarrass myself now i've got to be able to play this and it's just a little absolutely of, a bit of built-in accountability because nobody's phoning me up to go and do gigs or sessions but i need some deadlines because you know yeah it always keeps me that's moving. great i mean we we have to do those things um and that's you know I, I need to get better still at that when I'm not uh, like I'm in a period right now. Like, so I did that tour and the tour, that tour is kind of over. I don't really have a lot of touring coming up until after the first of the year, but I'm producing a couple of records and, and doing that kind of stuff uh, and, and work in the studio. So, um, and I definitely am thinking about what my next record needs to be and, I've started working on a couple things that may or may not be a part of it. It's hard to say yet, but mm. um, in that whole process, you know, I, I, <laughs> I could spend days in the studio on stuff I've already recorded and never touch an instrument in a way, but um, I need to get better still at, uh, at being disciplined enough to, uh, you know, force myself when I'm not having to 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 do a certain thing like okay for instance this week i had a uh in addition to again the the the, the uh, records i'm working on producing wise uh i had a dobro overdub and then like the end of last week i had you know two or three fiddle overdubs which is great again it gives me the you know i'm i'm going to be sitting here playing those instruments during that time and and uh, and, and inevitably Regardless, you know, if I pick an instrument up to play it, um, to even to do that, if it's just one song, I'm still going to get quite a bit of playing in because, you know, when I pick it up, I'm going to play other things rather, you know, than just that song, and uh, I'm going to practice and uh, get the uh, the physical the physical practice in. In other words, um, but but I can think about it and go, well, but did I play any guitar? Well, I've probably not played guitar and in a week or so, you know, I mean, just out of, uh, well, okay, that's maybe not, maybe guitar was the, the a bad uh, example because I, I did in the course of, uh, you know, producing this record, but but mandolin, or, or for, for instance, or something, you know, uh, it's possible that I've not played mandolin or, or banjo or something in, in a few days. And so, anyway, I, I, sh I should probably still be developing a, a better uh, routine as far as just playing uh, each instrument and, and staying on them a little better than I do. <laughs> it's interesting here you talk about sort of plans for the next album because that leads on quite nicely to um, talk about your last album, um, Fall Light yeah. Rain. And um, sort of I'm curious to know, because obviously you, you can play all the instruments on that album, but it's quite, um, it's quite an unusual album in terms of the mix of it. It's often you will get an album from somebody who's, you know is often a member of somebody else's band or a session player or um where they that is their time to sort of lead and shine and they write the tunes they sing all the tunes they're lying it's they feel like the focal point 
And um, it's quite eclectic, both in terms of the material, but in terms of different people singing, different people playing different instruments. And so putting that together must have been really interesting in terms of who you were going to get in to do what. Yeah, it really was. And I had a lot of fun in the process of uh, of putting it together. It's uh, That is interesting, uh, too, because it's it's like, you know, I, I want to put albums together like, like that one, in, in other words, that... Um, where, <laughs> you know, I, I want to showcase like what I could produce in, in other words, in a certain way. Um, in addition to not losing the focus on, on something that I'm doing, but I realize for a listener, it could be really hard to pick out in times, definitely like what, okay, what's, what's he doing? You know, like what's, what's my part because mm-hmm. I play the different instruments. It's probably not very obvious and I've, I've become a little bit more aware of that since even making that record. You know, it's something that I didn't think too much about going into it. And uh, I knew I wanted to sing a few songs on the record myself, too. And um, so I think if I make another one, uh, I'll probably do most of the lead singing. And uh, just so that it's, you know, it's very clear that this is, you know, my record. And, and, and maybe hopefully make a little bit more of a statement of, uh, you know, what you know i would want to present or or whatever but yeah no it it was a a lot of fun because i made a uh, an instrumental ep before that where i did play everything on it and i knew that i didn't want to do that for this Mm. this record the fall like rain record and uh so i wanted to have a lot of people involved and be able to play with people (laughs) that that are not myself and uh and so uh yeah, it it was interesting because I had a, such a, a long list of people that I wanted to to have involved. I had to just make what logistically would work work. You know, I had to to plan the uh, the studio days accordingly with uh, you know who was uh, available on what day. But I, I loved the way it worked out. I uh, I had such a good time. So I had uh, the core band on the first day was was Barry Bells on bass, Sierra. Uh, Brian Sutton on guitar and uh, Stuart Duncan on fiddle and uh, so we cut you know two or three songs that morning and then uh, Mike Cleveland came in that evening and uh, and we cut Taxland Mm -hmm. at the end of the first day and uh, and so that was the same core band just subbing in Mike for for Stuart Duncan and on the second day Cody Kilby was more of the guitar player, and uh, I had Jason Carter in to play fiddle on uh, the one that Dale was going to sing, and and stuff like that. So I mean, it was a it was an, a really cool mix to me of people that I've played music with before, and and people that I wanted to play music with that I hadn't got to play very much with, like like Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so. It was. Uh, I wanted to have a lot of my my heroes, and uh, of course, I had Dan Tominsky on on uh, guitar and vocal on the one song. I just enjoyed, you know, playing in his band so much, and uh, and and singing with him mm-hmm. that uh, I wanted to capture that on my own recording, uh, and so I and uh, you know that was uh, one of the things that I was. Uh, fortunate enough to put together was uh, the the tune uh, with he and I and Dale's just such a you know cool guy and a cool figure 
that uh, I've got to play. I've never played, you know, like, uh, obviously, like in his band. <laughs> like, it's his band's been his band, but I've gotten to play with them a lot over the past, uh, you know, several years in different little situations. And so, again, it was a, just a, a whole lot of fun to get to sing with Dale and to and just be in the studio with him. He's just such a uh, a cool guy and a calming figure, you know. <laughs> I can imagine. And it's, I think yeah. it's really interesting because it is, obviously, it's your album and it's your project. But um, even just talking about it now, the the element that I hadn't sort of um, thought about so much is, is you're almost, it's almost as much your project as a producer as, a, than it, as it is as a performer. It feels, it's got that sort of feel almost like some of the Mark Ronson albums where he gets in different singers, but he mm-hmm. sort of curates this vibe and this atmosphere and something that serves each song and each tune as well. And... Um, and it's such a it's that's such a exactly, great record. Well, thank you, thank you. That's exactly really what I wanted to to create with it. Uh, is you know I I have so many you know there's there's so many figures in bluegrass that I have loved what they do. I can't you know point to just one with with my album that I patterned it after, but I I can I can mention a few that like you know I love uh, Ronnie Bowman's bluegrass records and uh and uh he's somebody that i've also gotten to sing with he was on the list but <laughs> I, I you know i couldn't figure out some some way to get him involved uh this time and hopefully i will in something in the future um but you know he's made several records that just uh they're they're not just good songs they're they're good songs that fit together in a way that really just make a great record to listen to from top to bottom and and that was you know something that I wanted to, to try for I don't know how successful it was but um, I mean I, I definitely think it's a success on that level it's just because it's got such a um, a variety of dynamics and personnel and energy and it's not just yeah. a bunch of breakneck tunes and a couple of ballads it's got it's got um, an arc to it and a, a shape to it and something that feels consciously put together. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. I had a I, <laughs> recording for me is so complicated because I feel like there's so many ways I could could go with it that it's hard to, to, to focus down on what it needs to be. So I had this big list going of uh, several different ideas and different records uh like because to me you know i think um we started this the year after i won the dobro player of the year at ibma and so in my mind it's like well people are starting to think of me as this dobro player i guess i mean i don't know i mean they they've they voted that way so you know maybe i should make a dobro record you know that's that's very concentrated on that, mm. and then I could I could say the same thing though about every instrument, and so I, I started laying it out that way, and then I had my my bluegrass centered, you know, like just uh, vocals and all that sort of stuff record over here, and I had all these different things, and then eventually, you know, you know, I just ended up going well, yeah, I have all these different ideas, but let me pick some of the best from all of them and, and try to make the best record I can possibly make. That's really what happened is that I, I sort of took a lot of ideas that I had separately and and put them together, and and tried to pick the things that would work together, flow together, and 
<laughs> in a way, that's that, that was ideal, and I, I think I made the record I should have made, in other words, uh, for me at the time, but it still leaves me with the same conundrum the next time, and still leaves me thinking, well, did I, did I use up all... <laughs> All the things that now, what have I got? In other words, you know. But there, you know, that's that's the the the, uh, the great thing about it is you want to set the bar as high as you can and then try to try to beat that, keep beating that, you know. Yeah, you just give the best of what you've got at the time, and you don't save any bit for another time, and then yeah, you've just got to start again. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 listening to sort of knowing your curiosity and picking instruments up as you go, I kind of wondered if after getting an oud player in for walking to Lebanon if you ended up buying an oud if that's piqued your curiosity <laughs> that is a good question but I have not I have not gotten an oud yet um that would be that'd be a lot of fun I really should um I I've always I've loved telling the story several times on uh, you know interviews that I've done about uh Sierra and I taking the trip uh with her bluegrass band in 2014 uh we we did a State Department trip. We went to Micronesia and we went to the West Bank, and we were there for each of those places for a week, you know, solid week. And uh, we got to play with some great oud and tabla players over there. And uh, yeah, you know that that's been something that's stuck with me ever since. And uh, mm. <clears throat> I wrote this this tune uh, independently of all that, but I thought it'd be great if I could get uh, a good. Uh, some good players to uh to be on that and i for whatever reason i know there's people you know in the u.s that play those instruments but i wanted somebody from that region to do it and so i was you know happy to be able to to get that as well yeah and it sounds great and it's just another color on the on the album that's one of the nice things about it i think is the instrumentation um is varied as well as the material and the dynamics and you know each each track is a little thing to itself as well as you know being part of the whole yeah, I didn't want to limit myself, honestly. I, I wanted to uh, explore whatever made sense for the song itself, you know. I mean, there's probably, there's definitely cases where um, it evolved <laughs> as time went on, you know. Like, uh, I had intended um, on uh, the one with Del McCurry in it, for instance, you know, uh, I recorded it without you know thinking about any dobro or anything like that and it, it was just going to be fiddle banjo guitar mandolin bass but after you know listening to it for a while and and having a dobro in my hand and playing along with it i went you know what i think this actually would do something for it so you know i just ended up adding it later and, and kind of picking and choosing a couple of things to to take out <laughs> to you know make room but um there was a lot of that kind of, you know, work involved in, in putting this together, you know. Same with the uh, the tune with Dan. I wasn't quite sure whether it would have any fiddle or not. You know, I knew that I wanted uh, the dobro thing in it, um, but I played around with it a little bit, my, you know, with fiddle myself and thought, okay, well, this, this is going to add something, so I'm going to put it, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and it's hard to, to know at times, like the, the inclination, I think for a lot of people that produce records or, or, you know, you can fall into a trap of always wanting more and more mm. and more. And sometimes less is the answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, and so, 
Sorry, yeah. No, it's gonna, I was always yeah. going to say it was particularly the time when sequences arrived and electronic music, it just felt like people added layers and added layers and everything that started yeah. at the beginning of the track played all the way through to the end. And everything yeah. was, you know, really busy. And, and that, um, <laughs> leaving space, you can always fill a space you've left, but you can't, yeah. you know, it's harder to create a space when you've got a really full track. It is, yeah. Yeah, that's something that always interests me. Yeah, uh, and you were saying about the next record, you're probably going to sing most of the, the lead vocals yourself. Have you got... Well, most likely, yeah. I still don't know exactly how it's going to come together and what shape it's going to take. There's a part of me that, like, instrumental music is such a big part of what I do and, and love. I, I definitely want that to be a an important part of it, but, I, you know, I want to have some, some singing on it, too. And so I'm trying to figure out how... Um, right now, I just don't know that I have all the the songs you know i know i don't actually but uh, i'm trying to to get started with some instrumental things and see if i get uh you know the inspiration to for what the vocal section of it needs to be mm. in other words yeah and what else have you got on the horizon i know you were saying there's potentially some more uh, baylor dates next year there is yeah um there's a a short run that's supposedly happening in uh, January and then another one in uh, I think either April or May something like that and then there's going to be a, another one in the middle of the summer too uh, but uh, yeah that's really right now as far as touring goes that's the main thing that I that I'm that I know I'm going to be doing and uh, Sierra and I do some duo shows from time to time and and I expect there's going to be some of that at some point along the way next year, too. It's hard to pinpoint because, you know, she's working on her uh, band schedule right now, too. And uh, it'll all have to take shape as far as that goes. And I'm getting asked to do some uh, some other things. I'm, it's very cool. I'm at a place where uh, I get to do a lot of interesting things. I'm getting to play uh, a show with uh, Tim O'Brien coming up uh, in December. And so... It's, uh, I'm, I'm getting to do a lot of varied things, which I, I absolutely love that aspect of it. Um, and, uh, and the shows that I do with Sierra are, are some of the most fun things as well. So, um, I look forward to, to more of that. We, we actually <laughs> spent a day in the studio trying to record some stuff and we've not really spent much time since then working on it or, uh, you know, listening to it very much, but um, we'll we'll eventually get around to to working on that. Hopefully, we'll you know at some point put put some music out that's just the two you know the two of us. So yeah, cool. That's also in the the, the background. Yeah, yeah, lots of things on the go then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Great. Well, um, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for doing this. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Cool, so there we have it. Hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Um, I'll put links in the show notes, obviously, to Justin's website and where you can go to find dates for the Baylor Fleck Tour uh, and any other bits and pieces. I'll be back again with some more tunes, some more interviews, and some more bluegrass. So, have a great week. I will see you next time, and in the meantime, happy picking. 
Bluegrass Jamalong is proud to be sponsored by Collins Guitars and Mandolins, making some of the finest guitars and mandolins in the world since the 1970s. Visit collinsguitars.com and find out why.